you're a fan regardless if you've done a VIP or if you haven't done a VIP. And so I try to make the website and the community as a whole just inclusive for those type of people, especially because I've been there. Welcome to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between. Because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Now, every fandom has their community, right? Their go-to, that place where they go and connect with other fans to talk about their favorite thing that they have in common, that same thing that we love. And yes, there's usually someone that has to lead the charge, be a source of information and help create excitement within the fandom. So fans of this podcast, you know, I am a diehard Backstreet Boys fan. And as a fan, I am lucky to have come across today's guest, who is the owner of BSB Fangirls and also the author of an upcoming book celebrating 30 years of the Backstreet Boys this year. Please join me in welcoming Kara Lee Hancock to the show. Hey, Kara. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so excited for this. This is going to be fun. I know you said you're usually the one doing the interviewing with your journalism yes. background. So yes. <laughs> this is going to be a little bit different. I'm ready. ready. I have a lot of cool things to share. There's so many interesting things going on this year. So I'm excited to learn all about it. But first, I want to open with a little bit of an icebreaker and ask you, what is your favorite memory as a Backstreet Boys fan? (laughs) You've had a lot. You've met them countless times. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure Nick knows my social security number. Yeah. Um, It's probably a tie between two. So Probably the inner world like this tour, one of my best friends, Julia, and I got to go up on stage during their acoustic set. That was really cool. Just kind of have like Kevin in front of you. I was hoping I'd get behind Nick, but I ended up behind Kevin, I think, or AJ. But I'm okay with that. The other would be probably winning the trivia on the the last cruise in 2018. I got a kiss from Nick as my prize. So it's going to be hard to top that. Yeah, I can't beat that for sure. Trivia queen. And I think that's that's one of the main reasons why you're so good at leading this community is because you are a fact finder and a fact checker and you love to kind of, you know, educate us about things we may have forgotten about the Backstreet Boys or things that we didn't learn along the way. So it's really fun to have you share that with us. Yeah, I know way too much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I really loved the In a World Like This tour too. I remember I hadn't seen them in a really long time. I didn't go to the New Kids concert that they did with them. So I was in like a really long Backstreet Boys drought. And I remember seeing them at the In a World Like This tour. It was like, it was just like really one of my favorite concerts ever because it had been so long and I'd never felt like full circle nostalgia like that before. It was, it was really special. Plus so. Kevin was back. That was the main thing. Yes. It just, yeah, it was like that first time to really just be an adult and see them, you know? So, gotta love it. So, as I mentioned, you are the owner of BSB Fangirls. You've been running that community. So, I want us to 
go over your journey as a Backstreet Boys fan and specifically how you started expressing that fandom online and what inspired you to create a community out of it. Because I think a lot of us, we have things that we love and things that we want to share. And maybe we're embarrassed to kind of express our fandoms from, from time to time. But you have been so unapologetically yourself and you've shared that with so many other people. So what has that journey been like for you? What's funny is it didn't start that way. I mm-hmm. saw them at grad night like a month before I graduated high school. <clears throat> Made my way to the front and Nick looked at me and asked, was he sexual? I said, yes. And the next week at school, I made a freshman give me a poster out of her teeny bopper magazine. I stuck it in my closet. So after that, I kind of hid it for a while. I was not as open as I was because I used to be very shy. So after I graduated high school, I got my first real big computer and the internet. And that's how I kind of opened up a little bit more. I started my first website just like everybody else with ink fire with the cloud background and neon pink letters. Of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I found out that I could kind of express myself on there. I like I could in person and feel comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So from there, I have a best friend from high school, Amanda, taught me into writing fan fiction because she wanted something to read. And that led to a fan fiction side that became very popular. And after that, I kept trying to make a site kind of like what BSB Fangirls is now, but it just never stuck. From there, I just kind of left. I didn't leave the fandom for a while. I was just kind of in it for the music. I didn't get to go to the concerts. But after graduating, getting into newspapers, I had this fangirling column at one of the newspapers I worked at where I would talk about anything that was kind of happening in town because it was a college town. And then just thing in pop culture. And I kind of wrote about Nick and Jordan seeming like they were working on a project together. Jordan and I New Kids. And it ended up being true. And I got invited to a Huffington Post interview with them to ask them a question about it. And I was on the Good Morning America chat that morning, too. <laughs> it was a very oh weird God. day. Yeah. And, um, so my editor suggested I make a website that's like a BuzzFeed for, but at the time it was boy band fans, but so mm-hmm. many boy bands, I can only do so much with my one self. So yeah. And what year, what year is this? This is very pre BuzzFeed, I think. This was, this all happened in 2000, 2014 or 2015 when okay. um, Jordan thing happened. Ah, gotcha. Okay. was still around. Gotcha. Okay. BuzzFeed was around. I'm up to speed. Um, after that, I, <laughs> yeah. After that, I started and it, I had another domain name, but it turned into BSB Fangirls. And it just kind of started from there. Yeah. It's a long story. <laughs> Over 20 years. Yeah. I love though. I love when like pieces of your professional life kind of become these, these markers and these signals of what you should end up pursuing. Because I always think about me, how... I, I love to talk about this stuff too, but I once I went to college, I was like, okay, now I need to abandon all of that and pursue like this more corporate style career. Yeah. But you know, your corporate career and writing in that fangirl column really helped you forge this path. I think that's a really amazing experience to have. Yeah, from the beginning I got to cover concerts and then I got to interview Howie from the Backstreet Boys at my yeah. first job out of college. So it, it always was kind of there a little bit along the way. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love that. And you've always loved writing and the fan fiction piece of it. And then to actually get access to do these interviews and things, that's that's so cool. Sure. So how would you describe BSB Fangirls and, and what role do you think it plays in the fandom community? And like what how would you describe what you provide to other fans through that platform? Well, it it started out like the BuzzFeed for Backstreet Boy fans or Boy Band fans, but over the years it's kind of evolved a little bit into I want I don't want to say like a CNN for Backstreet Boy fans. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess in a way kind of because we provide news, we provide commentary, we provide reviews. We've launched our own little podcast also just recently with Amber. So it is kind of like a CNN for Backstreet Boy fans, but there's several of us out in the fandom who have blogs like this. Amelia, who is, I, I made her a co-administrator, co-owner of the site. She used to run Chaos Online, which was a huge Nick fan site. And so there's several of us out in the fandom. Then other, there's other blogs too. So it's not just me, but I think besides Amelia, I was one of the first that's, that's still going and keeping it updated. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's one thing I've noticed about you that I would really love to commend you on is just that you've never made it just about yourself. Like even on BSB Fangirls, you've always invited contributors. When me and Danielle and Brittany Kelsey <laughs> had our little pandemic project with Fangirls Night Out, you were so gracious in promoting that. It's never felt competitive. It's just always felt resourceful and like a, a safe place to just all bond over our five favorite guys, right? So I think you've been yes. doing that right, a healthy approach Thank to you. it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because there is there there can be a lot of competition. There's competition everywhere. Let's, you know, Nick looked at me a certain way <laughs> during a meet and greet or just things that everybody's got a competition. But I just, I try not to let that control everything. I try to just make it fun, basically. Yeah, you make it fun and very just informative as well. Like I said, it is a resource. There's there's so much information to try to keep up with, with just f all five of them individually or just, you know, with the tour and all these things. I think we're fortunate that they are so active and yeah. there's so much to know and so much to write about. And you do an amazing job consistently churning out content because it is a, a labor of love. Definitely. It's, a, it's like a second or third, fourth job <laughs> also. So yeah, it's almost like a full-time job basically that I don't really get paid for, but it's, it's fun. I, I, like, I like doing it. So. I respect that so much because there have been times just with my own projects and building things where I'm like, oh, well, I can't monetize this or I haven't yet. And, and I, you know, beat myself up for it occasionally. But there's also just so much to be said about the joy element and the community that's still worth it because it also becomes just kind of your outlet and a place to express yourself to and to meet other people. So we can't discount that. I love that, that approach sure. to it. So, for sure. I mean, I met my best friend because of the Backstreet Boys, mm -hmm. and like just with the website, I've met you know Amelia and I have became good, really good friends. Amber and I have Amber, who works at on the website. We've become very good friends. We've all just kind of meshed into a new little group. So it's very. Yeah. I think so many of us have stories like that <laughs> where we've met people through the fandom and 
even some people we haven't met in person, we just become so close with even just virtually and digitally. But I think the best thing is when you meet in real life at a Backstreet Boys show, which has been known to to happen. <laughs> yes, definitely. Love that. For sure. Has there ever been a time, I'd love to know parts of running BSB Fangirls. Are there ever moments or things that you do where it does feel like work, where it is a little bit of a, of a slog to keep up with this? Do you ever have those moments where you're like, this is a lot of work. I'm busy. I've got a lot going on in my personal life or, you know, there's so many things going on with your, your main nine to five as well. Yeah. Do you ever have those moments of doubt? I think that'd be relatable to hear about if you, if you do go through things like that. So many times. Yeah. <laughs> so many times I've just said that I wanted to quit just from, I've had over the, you know me. So over the years I've had, my mother was sick. She died in October. But I just had that stress. I had work stress. When I was still in journalism, I had financial stress because journalists do not make money. <laughs> so, yeah, over the years, I have definitely had those moments where I just wanted to close up shop and just kind of disappear just because it can become very overwhelming, especially when you had this great idea, like for instance, over the summer, we did these little graphics each week about what shows were coming up or, you know, every venue had different rules and stuff. So we did those. So and it got very, yeah, it got very tedious, especially when I got really busy with the book and then my mom being sick. So thankfully I had others that would help me with that or else they would have, it would have stopped because I just didn't have time to do it. Um, but yeah, just, just little things like that. It seemed like a great idea to start with. And then you realize how tedious, how time consuming it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate all that you do, all the time you put into this and just how much joy it brings all of us in the fandom. And for me, it was really beautiful to see, you know, when your mother did pass away, just the outpouring of love from this community. And I think it's a testament to what you've built and kind of how safe I know me too. Like just kind of like how safe people feel with you. So I think that's something to be really proud of. That still kind of makes me cry a little bit. Or probably a lot. I'm trying really not to mess up my makeup because I've been Amazing yes. though. So even if the makeup goes, <laughs> you. you're good. <laughs> uh, no, I, I was really touched and just overwhelmed with everybody, whether it was sending me flowers or donating to the GoFundMe, just everything. Like it, I never expected it when Amber wanted to put that together. Yeah. I never expected it. And then one of my mom would have just been shocked. Yeah. It's it's so true when they say that internet friends are real friends. I mean, to see that people you haven't met. This year, I got a few Christmas cards from people on Twitter that I've never met before. And it's like, it's kind of funny to explain to family like, oh, who's this on your fridge? It's like, oh, someone from Twitter. But, you know, they do mean so much to you. And you do form these relationships. And you, you again, bond over these shared experiences and things that you love. So I think those friendships are really powerful as well. Yeah, I actually have a friend. We became friends back when I wrote fan fiction over 20 years ago. Kristen, she lives in Boston or right outside Boston, and we have never met yet. Yeah, That's one thing we want to try to do. We were talking about it recently. So hopefully this year will be the year. <laughs> I'll go to Australia, I guess. See the boys on tour there. <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> I need to see them somewhere. We'll start a GoFundMe for that. <laughs> Make that happen. Oh my God. That would no. be great. No, no, don't nobody start a GoFundMe. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> don't tempt us. Don't so tempt us. Real. Yes. <laughs> so I would love to know what are some things you learned about community building through running BSB Fangirls? A lot of people who listen to this podcast, they may work in marketing and social media and trying to build audiences and communities of their own. And you've been really successful about that. So I would love if you shared just some takeaways and things that other people can learn from based on your experience. Well, I guess one thing that I've tried to do is make BSB Fangirls be a kind of a safe place for everybody, but because everybody's different, like there's going to be people who do not get along. There's, you know, in any fandom, in any community at all, it's kind of like a family. Um, there's going to be people that just don't like each other. And so just try to make that safe for everybody so that they feel welcome so that, you know, so that they can make the connections with other people to just be there for them, have different resources. I'm trying to figure out how to words to say it and I can't figure out exactly how I want to say it, but um, I get what you mean. I think it's like also something you do really well is, is meeting people where they are and embracing people, no matter what kind of fan they are. I mean, we still have fans Mm -hmm. who maybe haven't even been to a show yet and that's okay. That that doesn't make them any less of a fan. So I think that's, that's a really powerful and important takeaway is just that, if you if you want something to be a community, it really has to be welcoming, and you have to make people Inclusive. feel like they're seen. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's one thing that I like to kind of point out to people because some some people would be like, you know, that I haven't been to a show, so people probably don't think that I love them as much. But you know, every, whether you've been to a show or whether you've been to six hundred shows, it doesn't really matter because you're a fan of you're a fan. You buy the records, you listen to them, you watch the T V appearances and music videos, you know, constantly ask Nick for a tweet. Uh, different Filthy. things like that. Yeah. So you're a fan regardless if you've done a VIP or if you haven't done a VIP. And so I try to make the website and the community as a whole just inclusive for those type of people, especially because I've been there where I couldn't do VIP when I didn't get to see the boys from 2004 to 2009. So I've, I've been there where I, I couldn't be that. I, could, I didn't go to the Millennium Tour, which shames me to say, but I couldn't afford it at the time. So yeah. I've been there. I've been those fans. So I want to make that a play. I wanna, I've always wanted to make it a place for everybody like that, whether you've done all of it or you've done none of it. Yeah, that's such a good message. It's about the love in your heart, not the money in your wallet, right? Because we all have different circumstances and that doesn't make us, like I said, any less of a fan. So I think you've done a great job uh, communicating that. that message. Of course. I would love to know, I mean, we've talked about how BSB Fangirls has affected you personally in some ways. How has this community changed your life? You've met friends. There's so many other things that have happened. Yeah. Definitely the friends that I've made. Seriously, they're more family to me than probably some of my family. They they were here for me when my mom passed away when she was sick for all these years. I, I take my trips with them. They are like my sisters. Professionally, I think. I think I got my first marketing job because of my Backstreet Boys stuff. That 
that's what I'm going with. I think that's what happened. So that's definitely changed my life. And also, I've gotten to work on the Backstreet Boys official fan club, being a moderator, and I've written for the web- website before. I have in the past. They don't really do that much anymore. So just that. And then the book, that's been, <clears throat> sorry, that's been a very big thing with me because it was always my dream and Amelia's dream to have a book published. And so to have this actually happen and be about the boys that, you know, the five guys that brought us together is just kind of crazy <laughs> to me. I what still an can't honor. Yeah. What an honor as a fan. We are definitely going to get to the book and talk about that. But I, I love what you said about how, how BSB fangirls helped you get your first marketing job. I think yeah. that's a great takeaway for people because a lot of us may be sitting here feeling like we don't have a portfolio or we don't have relevant past work experience professionally and we want to get to that next step. But it goes to show you that you can take matters into your own hands and work on projects and things that are meaningful to you and show people what you're capable of before they give you a chance to do it. And that's yeah. that's really what you've done with BSB Fangirls. And you've shown how you can create content, how you can write. You've demonstrated all of those important skills that a marketer would need. Definitely. Definitely. And it's just, I'm glad I started it. I'm glad I got it, did that because I, I, I love my job now. I love working in marketing so much more than journalism. Even yeah. though I still love journalism, it's just, I think marketing is where my heart is. So. Yeah, a little more opportunity to be creative in yes. different ways. That reminds me of me. I was initially a journalism major and I was like, I, I, I want to like make things too. I don't want to just write. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to switch to advertising and PR. So I, I kind of had a similar mindset with that. So speaking of, again, community building takeaways, in your mind, what do you think makes a great community? And what is important to you when you're trying to nurture and build your own and spark those conversations and help people connect with each other? What are some of those qualities of a great community that you've noticed over the years? Uh, I think it goes back to what I was saying before about just making it feel like a very safe place for everybody and also just help letting people know that they can be themselves to a certain extent. <laughs> you can't have someone coming in there shooting all kind of crazy words and Hated things, but you know, as long as they're themselves and just setting the tone for the community. One thing I try to do with BSB Fangirls is there's so much negative stuff in the world, but I don't try to make it too too positive. We try to cover like a widespread spectrum of emotions, whether it's in our writing, social media posts you know, everything because the world sometimes sucks and mm-hmm. people understand that. So we try to do that. And so that's one thing I like to have people do is, you know, be themselves, tell us how they feel. Just asking for opinions is one thing um, that I like to do is to just make the community start conversations, that type of stuff. That is so important. I mean, life isn't all sunshine and rainbows. And I think that's when we really connect with people when we understand some of their struggles and some of their hardships and what they've been through, because that gives us something to relate to. Mm -hmm. That gives us a reason to want to help and support that person and to be there for them. So I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that is a, a major takeaway. Yeah, for sure. And that was really big during COVID because 
So yes. many people were facing depression during COVID. Just, you know, COVID was crazy. We're still kind of sort of into it. So yeah. people are still suffering from that. People are, people's lives got really affected by COVID. I mean, look at the group. They had put their lives on hold for over two years just because of this whole pandemic. So everybody was changed by it. And so I try to, I try to keep things really po- not po- too positive during that, but not too positive. Like mm-hmm. I just wanted people to remember the good things and what we had to look forward to when it was all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do an excellent job with that. And I mean, life is life. Even even in a fandom, I mean, there's going to be disappointments like, you know, when a show gets canceled or I'm still coping with when we had VIP seats to the Christmas residency that got canceled. But like, these are real emotions and things that happen that we want to cope with and feel like we're not alone. Like, oh, you're not the only one whose tickets got canceled or, you know, you were late to the show or something happened. Like, it's it's nice to have other people to vent about things to occasionally. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. And I love when people vent, even if it's to me about something I have nothing to do with, but yeah. I enjoy seeing their reaction and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- again, I think that's a, a great takeaway to kind of show both sides of it and make it a, a real community. It doesn't, just because it's, you cover those real topics doesn't mean it's not positive. Like you still are helping people through it. You're showing people that there's all these positive things to look forward to. It's just, it's really uplifting. So you should be so proud of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would like to know. <laughs> I need that you're gonna work me. Yeah, me too. So this is a bit of a hot topic that I think a lot of fangirls face and relate to is just some of the stigmas that we face. So I would love your thoughts on this. Just speaking to maybe some fangirl stigmas that you've experienced or noticed, and and how we should cope with them. It's funny. What I was thinking about this question question just while you were saying it i got part of a book called fangirls i can't remember her last name but her first name was hannah that wrote it she's talked about different fangirls across the across the fandoms whether it's courtney love whether it's backstreet boys b i said b2k bts just any 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 genre because it seems like fangirls are looked down upon more than fanboys you got i mean just think about it nobody looks down upon a 40-year-old guy who loves the Green Bay Packers and wears a cheese head. Nobody looks right. down on him, but a girl who's wearing a 40-year-old, I mean, it's not a girl, a 40-year-old woman who's wearing butterfly clips and a Nukas on the Block shirt might get looked down upon, you know, grow up, that kind yeah. of thing. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's annoying because a guy can lust after Tom Brady, but one of us can't lust after. It's weird if one of us lusts after Nick Carter during a concert, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just. There as thing, well. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and one thing, one thing that gets me, and I've noticed this a lot lately, I've gotten into Marvel over the last few years. Thanks, Nick. And I've noticed all of these guys have created, and there's a girls there's a few girls not many though there's all these guys who have created career careers um just blogging or making videos that kind of thing about marvel movies about you know all these conspiracy theories about making podcasts about them and they've turned it into careers where they get to go to the premieres where they get to go interview you know 
Chris Hemsworth, I hate them. That type of thing. <laughs> and Ellis. But yeah. Oh my God. But if it was one of us, for instance, sometimes when I say like I tell somebody I wrote a book about the Backstreet Boys, they're just they just kinda laugh about it. But you know, it's just it's annoying. I could say a whole lot more, but I won't keep it PG. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just really annoying and it's not fair because fangirls are found more than fanboys mm-hmm. or just all grown men, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> well, we won't laugh about the book here. We will celebrate <laughs> it. And I think it's interesting that the term fanboy like isn't really used that much. And it's almost mm-hmm. like fangirl has this negative con- connotation, even if we're grown women. Yeah. Uh, it's like we have no other word to use. And Benati in the chat, she says, I'd like an opinion on fans being called simps. We also have stands. Like, what do you think about these these labels? And do you think fangirls is the right term? Like I like fangirls more than stands because I when I hear stands, I obviously think of Eminem and yes. the whole Dear Marshall, you still haven't called a road. <laughs> uh, I, I think about that and that's not who we are. Like, you know, well, I mean, there might be a few of us out there who think they're talking to Nicoline. But definitely, I definitely like fangirl better than those. I don't even know what a simp, a simp? You said a simp? Yeah, a simp. It's that, like, is that a new one? It, I've heard it before. It's hard to describe. It's really just like you're obsessed with with something and like... I guess you kind of lust after it as well. Like you're a simp for this particular thing. <laughs> that is new. I have to go look that yeah, up. I mean, I'm showing my age right now. So I know. I don't think I know the exact definition either, but I've definitely heard it and I like, I know how to use it, but I don't really know much about like the connotations. I thought I knew it. Oh, so, yeah. We need a new word. That's, that's the thing I think. <laughs> yeah, but no, I definitely like fangirl better than not stan. Um, and you know, you're right, fanboy isn't used as much. I hear it a lot because I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan and he uses the term a lot. So, okay. I, I, just because of the comics and whole thing with him. So, I hear fanboy a lot from that fandom, but any everything else, no, I, you're right. I don't, I don't hear it, hear it, hear it at all. Not like you do fangirl. Ah. Uh. We've we've got some context in the chat. Jesse says that simp is more derogatory, so much so that Twitch banned it. Wow, I had no oh. idea. Interesting. Thank you, Jesse, for the for the fun fact. I had no idea. But I think the the lesson here with all of these labels, with all of these stigmas, is to just let people love what they love. Like, who are we hurting by <laughs> obsessing over the Backstreet Boys and wanting to follow a boy band around the world? Like, there are other things you know, to worry about. So they love. something I told my mom and she always agreed with me that I could be doing a lot worse things with my money. I could be, you know, doing drugs. I could be at a strip club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, could, I could be just doing all this other kind of bad stuff, but instead I'm spending it on five pretty guys who like to sing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think that's something else that sometimes people don't understand. It's like, oh, you're going to another Backstreet Boys show. Like, oh, is it the same show? Or are they going to do something different? It's like, no, it's it's the same. And they're like, then why? Why are you why are you going again? But it's like you're chasing a feeling. It's different every time. Like, you're there for those emotions. You're there with different people. You're in a different city. And 
honestly, it's it's really like few and far between that they they come around. Like you never know when the next tour is going to be. Like it's sometimes years can span. So let us love it. Let us soak it all up. Yeah, it's not hurting anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like watching your favorite movie. Nobody complains when someone's watched Dirty Dancing a hundred and fifty times. Excellent point. Which I probably have. Yeah. But, oh, <laughs> I just I don't I don't know why people. I don't know why people care. Yeah, so true, so true. Well, let's talk more about this book. I am just so thrilled for you. And again, you said you 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 felt like you haven't really like monetized BSB fangirls or it's a labor of love, but this is going to be a huge opportunity. Just calling that out. You're going to be a, a published author. I hope it's just the start of so many amazing things for you. Because it is a job to put a book together and to do all of that research that you've done and those interviews and the coordination, like you deserve everything that you're going to get out of this. So I hope you know that. So, <laughs> so how did this book deal come about? Back, the Backstreet Boys are celebrating 30 years this year, and that's going to be the focus of the book. So tell us more about this project. It was crazy. I checked my email in bed one Sunday morning <laughs> and I had an email from an editor. And so talked to Amelia because it was addressed to me and Amelia. Um, and we emailed them back. I met with them and they, the editor had been, a, is a Backstreet Boys fan and she had been vis- visiting my website. And, and so that's that's pretty much how it came together. We we talked about what what it, what ideas they had, what ideas we had, and we put it together in about the span of a month and a half. Incredible! <laughs> <laughs> All while working a real job, having an Etsy store, and te- my mom being sick. Yeah. Thankfully, I had Amelia as my co-author, though. Yeah. So. I mean, most people never publish a book in their lifetime. So again, be super proud of that. Um, I would love to know, I mean, you got that email. Did you have any moments of imposter syndrome sinking in? Like, am I the right person to do this? I, you know, maybe you even had doubts about your writing. Like, what was that like? Well, I, I didn't really have, I didn't really have imposter syndrome on myself. I was afraid it was like, it wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> so that side of imposter, I was afraid it wasn't real. But then, you know, once I talked to them and we video chatted, so everything it just, you know, it was it was real. I did we did research about the company. How I, I, I mean, I don't want to sound cocky about it, but I know both a million. I know our Backstreet Boys stuff. Amelia mm-hmm. is very tedious about keeping facts together, different little things like that. Like she's done a really good job on the website with some of the pages that we have. So for that, I don't think we had imposter syndrome for ourselves. I I felt like we knew that we would do a good job. It was just wondering what other people would think Mm. about it, what other people in the fandom. That's one thing I think we really kind of worried about. Just because you thought they wouldn't like the book itself or they wouldn't like fans writing it? Like, like. Kind of because, you know, it's it's one thing if someone kind of gets attention in the fandom mm-hmm. and certain, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. some people might get mad, some people might be happy. And that's one thing I try to stay away from is drama. Mm-hmm. Now, so that's that's one thing I worried about was maybe drama starting. But so far it seems. 
okay, cross yeah. papers. Yeah, um, me when I heard about it, I was like, "This just makes sense." <laughs> like, this is Sarah's yeah. calling. I can't wait to read this. I'm glad someone is putting the time in to celebrate this because it is a huge milestone for the band, and and they deserve it. So, yeah, I appreciate it so much, and I think I can speak on behalf of the fandom as well. So, I can't wait, can't wait to read it. It comes out April 11th. Yes, right, and is available <laughs> for pre order. Also, share who wrote the foreword. Uh, <laughs> a little, um, little celebrity. Just, just a little. <laughs> Melanie Chisholm from Spice Girls, 40 Spots. Yes. We had some ideas for other people for the foreword, but M- uh, Mel- Melanie worked out and um, she was always my favorite Spice Girl anyway. So mm-hmm. it kind of worked out. But yeah, that was really exciting. Kind of, kind of couldn't believe <laughs> that yeah. it actually happened. I can't that was, it was just, and she is, what she wrote is so good. And it really shows the inter, the like connection of the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys, especially back in, in the mm-hmm. day when they were both kind of coming up. Yeah. So I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting to read. Yeah, for sure. That was just such a unique time in music history. I, I can't wait for that perspective. It's going to be great. So you've got some congratulations in the chat. Again, we're all so happy for you. Can't wait for this to come out on April 11th, 2023, 30 years of the Backstreet Boys. So I'd love to just reflect again on the Backstreet Boys and their 30-year legacy. I I feel just so, I, I know blessed is a strong word, but I feel blessed. <laughs> that they are still out there doing it, still showing up for us. So what role do you think the fans have played in as far as their longevity and and their why and why they're showing up for us still? How have the Backstreet Boys been able to stand the test of time, maybe with a little help from the fans? I think the fans are why the boys are still around. Just We're still like so strong. And I don't want to use that whole thing about like million strong, like in everyone, but there, there was this moment on the 2011 cruise when Kevin came on the cruise. He was there in the Bahamas and sp- spent the night on the boat for the deck party. And we were on the Lido deck and he was on the second story of it looking down at just the fans. And I stood there watching him and I kind of knew then he was coming back for sure just because of the look in his eyes. Like he was literally about to cry, look, Kevin crying, but... He was yeah. about to cry just looking at the fans and I could just tell that he missed it. And I really think, I really think that's why the guys are still together why they never broke up besides their love for one another and making music is the fans. Because I mean, some of us might've wavered there for a while, you know, during the slow years or the dark years without Kevin. But we're, I mean, look at their tours selling out vip constantly sells out just and it might be a nostalgia thing but who cares if it's a nostalgia thing they're getting the attention they need right i mean they they should have right now that they should have been having since you know the black and blue tour so i don't care why they're getting attention (laughs) as long (laughs) as they're getting it yeah let me take that let me take that back. I, I, not bad things get attention for. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of 
I guess casual fans or people who know of the Backstreet Boys think is like, oh, it's just a it's just a nostalgia thing. And they overlook that. No, they've had new albums. They just released their Christmas album. This tour is was brand new. <laughs> so <laughs> there's so much time and and sacrifice that they're still putting into this time away from their families, hitting the road, going around the world. So I love that you mentioned that they deserve this attention because yeah. I think it's, it's also just so reciprocated yeah they they definitely deserve it they just i mean look they just had a i think five week number one song on the adult contemporary charts Mm -hmm. um, with last christmas they still have it they might be getting older they two of them's going to be in their 50s this year (laughs) Um, yeah it's crazy to think about but they, they still have it they can still dance they can still sing they definitely can still sing they can do they can still do all of it they might not be able to you know do some of the dance moves but for me i could they could just sit on a stool and sing yeah. and I would, <laughs> exactly that's all they need to do and i'm i'm good and they still look great too they're just aging like fine wine it's it's unbelievable again we're blessed it's <laughs> we're so, blessed. <laughs> so blessed and i also love that you brought up kevin specifically because he's he's who comes to mind for me when I think about the fans and just like the gratitude that we get from them, but especially Kevin, I always say that I feel like Kevin still can't believe this is all happening. (laughs) Like he still can't believe this Backstreet Boys thing worked out. Like the way he looks at the crowd, the way he like genuinely will like just stand there and reflect. Like, I, I think he still can't believe he's famous and that this is his life and that all this love is constantly pouring out for all the guys. Yeah, I think there's a part of me too, and this is probably weird to say, but I feel like it's he's more comfortable with it now, like after his break, especially yeah. it's not little girls screaming after him anymore, for one thing. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, for a 20, like, 26, 27 year old guy, that could be just a little weird. Yeah. But, you know, he took the time off to do what he needed to do, and he's back, and he's been, well, he's been back for 10 years now. <laughs> Over 10, 11 years, but you can definitely tell he appreciates every single person he sees. I mean, they all do. They all do. But like that memory of Kevin on the cruise just stands out to me. So I don't know so much. It kind of made me cry. I'm, I was used to be very hard to make cry. So when Kevin <laughs> cried, I cried. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Well, I can't wait to see what they do next. I can't wait to see what this 30 year milestone is going to bring. And it's going to be so much fun celebrating with your book at the very least. We don't have details on much else, but (laughs) we do have a book to look forward to. So what else would you like to say before we close out today? Is there anything else we should know about the book? Yeah. Well, you're in the book. (laughs) I am Um, in the book. Yes. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So one thing we wanted to do besides just writing about the boys' history is make it about the fans also. So we have just pages dedicated to different fans from around the world and from different countries about what the Backstreet Boys mean to them. So we have that. We have other quotes and things from fans. We also have a bunch of photos that have never been seen before. I wish they were Justin's. They're not. <laughs> some of them are mine. I used to be a concert photographer, so that's always been one of my biggest passions. Oh, um, some of them are mine. Some are, are uh, belong to some other fans, like some throwback photos from the days in Germany and Norway. 
back in like 95, 96. We have some other photos just that were donated to us by fans that I know take really good photos. So that's one thing I wanted to make it more like, not just about the boys, but about the fans. Like, because they, like you were talking about earlier, they play such a big part in the band and their history. So I wanted to, I wanted it to be not just, you know, a timeline of the 30 years, but about the fans also. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I am so appreciative for the opportunity to be in this book and to share what the Backstreet Boys mean to me, but it was probably the hardest thing I've ever written. Like, how do you put into words? Yeah. <laughs> All of this love. I mean, it, it was a challenge, but. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, two, I think 200 words or maybe like 300. Yeah. And so I had to write my own and I just didn't know how to do it. It's <laughs> not enough. Not enough. If only we could show them just how much we love them. Like our hearts could burst, I think. We could show them no. the shape of our hearts. Yes. <laughs> well, well said. Love it. On that note, thank you so much for joining today, Kara. Again, this thank year you. is going to be incredible. So much to look forward to. I am so proud of you. Oh, um, thank you. Everyone go follow BSB Fangirls. Go follow Kara. I'm going to have all of that linked in the episode description as well. But thank you so much for being here today. And you can get the book at even Target. I love that we're on Target. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is just incredible. Go pre-order pre-order and I hope if we well I want to pre-order it but I also want to go to Target and get it I'll just have to do what we do with the albums you you order them and you have to go to Target as well and then you have like 10 copies and no CD player or record player it's fine yeah I've already <laughs> pre-ordered a copy of them all. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have the experience that is so yeah. cool. well I hope sometime in 2023, you and I can meet in person, yes. autograph my book. That would be oh, that's epic. so weird. I don't so. Know. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I need Kara's autograph. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. For marketing wisdom with a pop culture twist sent straight to your inbox, sign up for my newsletter at briannefleming.com slash newsletter or find me on Twitter at Brianne2K. As always, thanks for listening.